Well, welcome here, everybody. I'm so glad that you're with us today. If you're watching online, wherever you're tuning in from, great to have you with us. And special shout out over in Pewaukee because they're with us right now as well. In case we haven't met, my name's John. I'm one of the pastors here. And I spend most of my time working with our care ministries and our outreach partners. And we've got some amazing outreach partners. They're doing wonderful things right here in our community. And if you've ever thought about getting involved and coming alongside and helping make a difference locally, I just want to encourage you, grab a Connect card in the seat back in front of you. Just fill it out. Say, I want to serve in the community. Drop it off at the Connect wall after service. And we will make sure that you get plugged in and you can join River Glen on mission right here in the community. Before we get this started this morning, I want to invite everybody back for next week because next week we're starting a brand new series. It's called The Generous Life. And this series will focus on why the generous life is the best way to live. And it'll talk about how the generous life impacts every single area of our life. So please come back for that. Today, we're going to wrap up our series. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and it's based on a book written by John Mark Comer. John Mark Comer, he's a pastor, and he's an author, and I got to tell you, I read this book last October, number one book I read all year. It was my favorite, and here's why. Have you ever been in life, you're dealing with something, you're going through something, you're wrestling, you're struggling, whatever that might look like, and then you get a book, or you listen to a podcast, or you read a blog, and it speaks to exactly where you are in that moment, that's what this book, that's what the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry did for me. As, as I was reading the book, I came across a section of the book that was exposing spiritual gaps in my life. And I think that's something that occasionally we all have those. John Mark Comer, he was talking about prayer life. And we're going to talk a little bit more about prayer later on. But he was talking about prayer life. And he asked the question, is your prayer life public or is it private? And the public prayer life, the way he described it, he was like just speaking to my soul. He's like, are you standing on stage on a weekend? And are you praying out loud for people? Or does ministry, are you always in the position where you're praying out loud for people? Or maybe you're a small group leader and most of your prayers are out loud for your group. And then he compared that and he contrasted it. And he said, or are you intentionally taking time in quiet, just you and God, and are you taking that time to pray every single day? Hit me right here, because that's exactly where I was in life. My prayer life was mostly public. I would say that my personal prayer life, my quiet prayer life, it was almost non-existent at that point. And so this book, I realized right away that it had had answers and solutions to a lot of things that I was wrestling with in my life. You know, every year, people come up with the idea of like, what's your word for the year? Jason gave a message on New Year's Day. Anybody pick a word for the year for 2023? You guys ever do that? Yeah, I know some of us do. So back in December, I decided that my year, my word for the year would be growth. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I want to grow in my relationship with others. And I want to grow in my relationship with myself. And growing in relationship with Jesus is what this series is all about. James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this. He said, 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And so here's what James is saying. James is saying, you can know what's in here. You can have a lot of biblical knowledge, but you got to do what it says. And in this series, that's what we're looking at. If I want to do what Jesus did, if I want to grow like Jesus, I got to do what he did. And I also have to, if I want to grow in Jesus, I have to be with Jesus. I have to be like Jesus. And I have to do what Jesus would do if he were me. And so this series is all about becoming more like Jesus so we can have and experience a life that's filled with love and joy and peace. And throughout the ruthless ruthless elimination of hurry, this book outlines what Jesus' life looked like. Remember the first week, we, we talked about slowing down the pace of our life so we could be present, so we could be here in the moment. Then Ben gave a message on the importance of taking a Sabbath. And he distinguished that a Sabbath, that's just not another day off. The Sabbath is a day of rest and a day of worship. And last weekend, Garrett gave a great message on simplifying our lives. And what he talked about, he was like, remove the unnecessary from your life so you can make room to be on mission with Jesus. And I want to just tell you right now, if you have missed any of these messages, I promise they can be life-changing for you in 2023. Go back and watch them. If you want to dig into some of these topics deeper, John Mark Comer, they put together a resource. It's, it's called, um, they're going to put up on screen here, How to Unhurry Workbook. This QR code, it's the morning of QR codes. If you scan that, that'll take you to a free resource, and it'll help you go deeper on the Sabbath and simplifying and solitude and, and slowing. So dig in, dig in a little bit to these on your own. And today we're going to look at another practice of Jesus and it's silence and solitude. Now silence and solitude, this one is a challenge for me because if you know me, you know I don't do quiet. I don't sit still. I'm that little kid in fourth grade that was bouncing all over the place, right? That's who I am. And I wake up every day. I wake up early. I don't need an alarm clock. When I wake up, I wake up. There's no grabbing the covers, rolling over and going back to sleep. I am full on gopher boy. My head pops up. Think Caddyshack gopher. That is me. I pop up. I'm ready to roll. And then there's Kelly. Every morning, she said it yesterday, she tells me, shh, it's quiet time. And I'm like, what? I just spent the last eight hours waiting for you to wake up. Talk to me. Let's get rolling. And we do. She rolls over and goes back to sleep. And I quietly get out of bed and get on with my day. But collectively, these four practices are going to help us become more like Jesus. And I want to speak to you right now. If you're here today and you are not a follower of Jesus, maybe you've been driving by this big building in Wales and you decided today for the first time to stop in and see what's going on here. Or or, or maybe you grew up in church and it's been a long time since you've been back. Or maybe the person sitting next to you said, hey, we'll stop at church and then we'll go out for some food. These practices that we're talking about, slowing and simplifying and solitude and and taking a day of rest, these apply to all of us because all of us, we have this rushed life. We talked about how we all experience this hurried sickness. 
We have these hurried lives. And so silence and solitude, this is a big part of who Jesus was. It was one of the rhythms of his life. Now, six weeks ago, we all got together and we celebrated the birth of Jesus. And that is an awesome thing to celebrate. But Jesus' ministry does not begin on December 25th. Jesus' Jesus ministry begins 30 years later. He's down at the River Jordan. John, his cousin, John the Baptist, baptizes Jesus, and that's when his ministry begins. At Jesus' baptism, we hear, a voice from heaven says this, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. And then right after that happens, there's this strange story about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The first thing Jesus does to launch his ministry is he goes to the desert. Now, the Greek word used here for desert, I get that I don't speak Greek and you don't, but this Greek word, it's eremos, and this word, it doesn't mean sand and heat. This word can be translated the deserted place the desolate place, the solitary place, the lonely place, my favorite one, the quiet place, or the wilderness. And and there's many times in the gospel where Jesus goes to the quiet place, but this is the first one. And so Jesus is led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And this seems a little strange. We know that Jesus has to go up to the devil. Evil has to be defeated. But why did it have to be the wilderness? Why did he have to go alone? Why is it after 40 days of fasting when he's probably hangry? And I wondered about this because this doesn't make a lot of sense. I've always thought that the wilderness, that's a place of wandering That's where you're lost. It's a place of weakness. I'd read this passage and I'd think to myself, isn't it just like the devil to come at us after we've had a super hard day and we're at our weakest? Or maybe we've just had a horrible week and then he comes and we're at our weakest and our worst. But we have this backwards. The wilderness, this quiet place, it's not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit because it was here and only here that he was at the peak of his spiritual powers. It's only after a month of prayer and fasting in the quiet place that he has the capacity to take on the devil himself and to walk away unscathed. And again and again in the Gospels, we see Jesus coming back to the quiet place. It is an ongoing rhythm of his life. And when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, when he comes out of that quiet place, he's got clarity about his identity and his calling. He's grounded, he's centered, he's in touch with God, and he's in touch with himself. And as we read through the Gospels, we quickly realize and we see that the quiet place is a top priority for Jesus. 
We see the same thing in the Gospel of Luke. No less than nine times, Jesus goes off to the quiet place. The more the news spreads about Jesus, the more healing and he does, the more he's being chased and pursued by the crowds. But then we see in Luke, with all of that going on, but Jesus often, it's his habit, he frequently withdrew to the lonely place, the quiet place. He goes there and he prays. Because that's his practice. In Luke's gospel, we can chart the life of Jesus. The busier and the more demand, right? The busier Jesus gets, the more time he spends in solitude. But usually for us, it's the opposite. When we get over busy, when life is hectic, when we got too many things to do, it's the exact opposite. The busier we get, the less time is spent in solitude. Solitude, the quiet place, for us, it's the first thing that goes rather than it's the first place we go to. Now, there are times in our lives when we need to get away with Jesus, but life happens and people happen. We might plan to take a Sabbath day. We might plan to take a morning to pray, or or we might just take a night off with no plan at all. And then we get a text message. There's a crisis at work. Only you can handle it. You got to go. Your spouse calls me, says, meet me at the hospital. Little Johnny broke broke his arm. Or or your roommate comes home and they've had a really bad day and they need someone to talk to you and you're talking. And two hours later, she's still crying. Someone locks their keys in the car and they text you because you're only, the only person on the planet that can solve that dilemma. Life is happening, it's endless, and things always come up. In busy seasons, we need more time in solitude, not less, for sure not less time. And I know that some, somebody's sitting here right now and, and we're all making this mental reasons, this list of mental reasons why solitude just won't fit in our schedule. Maybe you're thinking, John, I am a full-time mom and that is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year gig and, and I don't know. Or, or maybe you have a demanding job and, and maybe, you, maybe you always need to be there. You gotta be the first one and, and maybe you're always the last one there and you stay late because everything hinges on you. Or maybe you're a college student. You got 18 plus credits and you're not even sure how you're going to have time to eat with all the studying and all I have to do and something's got to go. Or you could be a high school student and we know high school is crazy because you got school, you got sports and, and then maybe you got a part-time job. But think about it for a minute. Jesus, the son of God, begins his mission and he needs time in the quiet place. Think about how busy he is. If Jesus needs time in the quiet place, how much more do we? And I want to define silence because when we talk about silence, there are two kinds of silence. There's external silence. And this one, this one is easy, easy to define. It's just like there's no noise. Right? There's no music in our headphones or our earbuds. There's no TV on in the background. We're not distracted by any devices, devices because we turn them off. It's like when you wake up early in the morning, go for boy, 
when you wake up early in the morning and you're the first one up and there's just quiet. Or maybe you go outside and you're in nature and you're listening and all you hear is silence. Then there's internal silence and this one's a lot more challenging. It's the mental dialogue that you have in your mind that never shuts off. Your mind is continually racing. Or, or, or maybe you have a running commentary on, on your a running commentary in your head about everything that you take in, whether it's social media or the news, and it just won't stop. Or maybe you replay a bad conversation over and over again, and you think about all the things that you wished you would have said. Or maybe you're thinking about your nemesis, your enemy in life, and you're thinking about all the things that you wish you could do to them or all the things that you wish you could say to them. Maybe, maybe it's worry. Worry is one of the biggest ones. What if you're obsessing over hypothetical, hypothetical situations that are never going to happen? See, the external, that's easy. Turn off the TV Go take a nap, get on your bike, go for a ride, go for a walk. This internal noise that we experience, whole different animal because there is no off switch. And so when we talk about silence and solitude, the silence that we're talking about is when you learn to silence both. Now solitude, this one's easy. Solitude just simply means it's alone time with you, God, and your soul. And I want to know, there is a difference between solitude and isolation. Solitude is engagement. Isolation is escape. Solitude is safety. Isolation is danger. Solitude is how we open up ourselves to God. Isolation, that's when we're painting a target on our back for the tempter. Solitude is when we set time aside for God to nourish our souls Isolation is what we crave when we don't do that. Solitude's anything but loneliness. Richard Foster, he's a theologian. Loneliness is inner emptiness. Solitude is inner fulfillment. In solitude, we are anything but alone. In fact, in solitude, that's when many of us feel most connected to God. But one of the challenges of spirituality today, so few people are willing to admit how disconnected we feel from God. We rarely experience God's presence throughout our day, love and joy and peace. That does not describe the experience of many Christians. Often we come to church on the weekend and we pull up and we're just hoping we get this God hit. Just this brief moment of connection to God before we go out these doors and we return to the real world. But what if we intentionally spent time in silence and solitude? What if the problems that we're facing, what if the problems, what if it's more about our absence than God's presence? What if it's more about our distraction than his disconnection. If it is, and I believe it is, then the solution is simple. We just create a habit where we are regularly connecting to God, and there is no better place to do that than in the quiet place. Henry Nouwen, well-known theologian, without solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. We do not take the spiritual life seriously. We do not set aside some time to be with God 
and to listen to him. Now, he doesn't pull any punches there. There is no exception to this rule. If you don't set time aside to be with God, your relationship with him is not going to grow. And our relationship with God, it's no different than any other relationship that we have in our lives. What happens to my marriage if Kelly and I, if we're never alone together? What if we never had time to talk in private? We never talked about our fears, our hopes, our dreams of the future. We, just, we never had that alone time where we're just having fun or just being together or walking or talking or loving one another. Our marriage would suffer. And it might eventually get to the point where we're just roommates and we're just living in the same house. That same thing is true of, re- true of your relationship with God and your own soul. And, and if you love God, and if, if you want a living, growing, thriving relationship with him, where you experience his presence throughout the day, we need to carve out time in our schedules to be with him. Henry Nowen, he was a contemporary of Mother Teresa, and he was going through some major spiritual struggles in his life. And so he went to Mother Teresa, and she said, she gave him this advice. Well, you spend one hour a day adoring your Lord and never do anything that you know is wrong, and you'll be fine. Such simple advice, two simple practices, spend an hour alone a day with God, and never do anything that you know is wrong. Now, when we don't do what Jesus did, and Jesus did these four practices, the slowing, the simplifying, the Sabbath, the solitude, here's what happens. We feel distant from God. We feel distant from ourselves. Anxiety kicks in. We become exhausted. We turn to the escape of our choice, and we become easy prey for the tempter. This emotional unhealth sets in. We become reactionary. The smallest things set us off. We lose our temper. We bark at the kids. We get defensive. We sulk. We get angry. We pout or we get sad. And these are all signs and symptoms of life without time in the quiet place. But here's the alternative. We find our quiet place and We begin a morning routine. It begins before the little ones are awake or anybody else in the house before we've talked to anybody. And in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, come away. Come away with me. And we take our time. And maybe it's not a full hour. Most likely, it's not going to be. But we start where we are, not where we think we should be. And we're there long enough to decompress from the noise and the stress in the nonstop chaos of modern 21st century living. And sometimes we need a few minutes. Sometimes an hour isn't enough. But we slow down, we breathe, and we come back to the presence. And in the silence, that's where we hear God speak, and that's where we get his perspective on our lives We come to this place of freedom where our failures and our successes, they lose power over us. We get out from the tyranny of the opinion of others and their approval or disapproval of us. We get back to the point where we're free to be a child of God and we come to this place of rest. And so this leads us to two choices. We can neglect 
this practice, we can get, make excuses and we can get sucked further into the chaos that is the 21st century and we can face emotional unhealth at best. At worst, we're living in a spiritual wasteland or we begin this practice and we begin to experience the life that Jesus led. And this isn't new. The whole world is talking about this right now. You can't watch a TED Talk and you can't walk into a bookstore without hearing what the world calls it. They call this mindfulness. They call it mindfulness and meditation. And mindfulness, it's simply silence and solitude without Jesus. It's the same thing for a secular world. But if we take a little bit of time each day and we connect over time, in weeks, in months, years from now, we'll be changed. We'll be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And so throughout this series, we've looked at the life of Jesus to see what he did. And if we want to be more like Jesus, we do what he did. We covered what we can gain. And we've also covered what we risk losing by not doing that. And so I just want to encourage you, remember, we are all at different places in life. The key to growing in Jesus is to start where you are, not where you think you should be. You guys all know Charity. Charity's our worship leader, voice of an angel, Charity. She and I were talking about what her quiet time looks like and what mine looks like, and they are two completely different things. Charity works full-time, mother of three little ones, and so she sets her alarm. She gets up 15 minutes before anybody else, and she's got her Bible, and she's got a flashlight, and she just reads the Bible and prays in her bed for 15 minutes, and that's what it looks like for her. For me, it's different, and I'll get into that for a second. But what I want to do is I want to set you up so you can leave here today equipped to experience silence and solitude because it's not difficult. The first thing you need to do is you need a time to do it. And for most people, it's the first thing in the morning because that's when we're refreshed, that's when we're renewed, that's when the day is just beginning. That might not work for you. If that doesn't work for you, maybe it's lunch Maybe what works for you is when the kids are napping, or maybe what works for you is in the evening. But just experiment with it. Find the right time for you. And then you need a place. And and you want a place that's as distraction-free as possible. For me, we have a spare bedroom. We convert it into a den. There's a nice chair in there. There's a desk. And and I go in there, and and to further further help myself, I have noise-canceling earbuds. Anybody got those? These things are phenomenal. I open up the box. I put one in, and it says noise-canceling on. I put the other one in, and it says connected. And for me, that's just a launch pad. It just gets me to where I am. I already feel plugged in. We got a time. We got a place. And then we just need a plan. You know, Garrett talked about the QR code with Right Now Media. There's tons of resources there. It, it can be any reading plan you want. It can be the U version, verse of the day. Maybe you're old school and you still get the Our Daily Bread. It doesn't matter what devotional you use, but just start with a devotional. And start small. If you've never done this before, try doing it for 10 minutes, three times a week next week. You walk out of here, put it on your calendar, three days you're going to do it for 10 minutes. If you're already doing this a few times a week, try doing it every day. 
And if you're already doing it, right, you're like super overachiever. I'm not even already doing it every day. I try to. But if you're already doing it every day, take your time and increase it from 30 minutes. Go to 45 minutes and just continue to grow in this. And before you start this, a couple things I want you to remember. And I've said this. This is the third time I've said it. Start where you are, not where you think you should be. If you can do only do five minutes, fantastic, you win. Start with five minutes and slowly move forward because we grow through small incremental acts that become happen, that become habits. And these habits, they build up over weeks and months and years. And the second thing, you don't succeed or fail at this practice. If you show up, you have won. You're there in that moment. And so don't tell yourself that I'm bad at this or, or, or this isn't for me. I don't like this. Be patient with yourself and be patient as you work the practice. Now, here's what I told you. Mine looks a little bit different than charity. But what I do is I actually set myself up for success the night before. So I'll go into my den. I drink water every morning. So I'll bring, uh, I'll have a, a thermos of water and I, I pull out my Bible the night before and I'll have a notebook there. And right now I'm currently reading through the New Testament. So what I'll do is I'll open up my Bible and I'll just ask God, I'm gonna read a chapter today, God. Just highlight a verse for me. Speak to me through your scripture and through your word. And so I'll read that Bible and every time, every time I do this, God highlights a verse for me. And so I just write it down in my notebook. And then I sit and I just think about that verse. I think about what that verse means. I think about what it meant to the first century Christians. I think about what it means today. It's the same thing. It's just applying it to today's life. And then I just focus on how I can apply that verse to my life today. And then I do this breathing prayer and you probably know it differently. It's a, just a breathing technique. I just sit straight up in my chair. I inhale through my nose and I exhale through my mouth, right? Inhale, right? Just breathing technique, except it's a breathing prayer because here's what I do. I inhale and as I inhale, I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd. I exhale, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I do that until my breathing gets under control because then what happens at that same time is my mind settles down and I can now be in a position where I can hear from God. And I ask God to speak to me, to lead me, to give me guidance. And, and I can tell you, I've never literally heard the audible voice of God. But every single time I do this, God speaks to me, and it can be through the verse that I had written down. But sometimes he just reminds me who I am. I am his child. I am his heir. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has already prepared in advance for me to do. And it's in those moments where I feel his presence. I feel his love, his joy, and his peace. And then I just linger there as long as I have time for. And then what I do is I just simply close in prayer with gratitude in that prayer. And so what we're going to do right now, this is going to seem a little bit weird, but we're going to do this. We're going to take a moment of silence and solitude. And I just want to set you up for this because I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and however, whatever you want to inhale, whatever you want to exhale for me, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And it's going to seem a little bit awkward. 
And you're going to hear rustling around you and somebody's going to be coughing and somebody's going to be sniffing and maybe a phone goes off. So check your phones right now. But while we do this, just focus on listening to the voice of God. And if you're uncomfortable and you just don't want to close your eyes, then here's what we want you to do. We've used Matthew 11:28 through 30 from the message. It's been a theme voice for this whole series. I'm going to read it for you. Are you tired, worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest, walk with me, and work with me. Watch how I do it. And so we're going to project those verses on the screen behind me. But we're just going to start. So just bow your heads to start focusing on your breathing. Close your eyes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to pray, and then we'll close in song. God, I just want to thank you for this series where you've shown us time and time again that we can become more like Jesus simply by doing what Jesus did. Lord, I pray that um, you give all of us this ability, this passion, this desire to want to experience your presence more and more in our lives. God, help us to simplify and to slow down and take that rest in you that only you can bring, Lord, and bring us to the quiet place. Bring us to the place where we can meet you, where we can be filled with your presence, where we can f- experience your love and your joy 
in your peace. God, I pray that in the quiet, you speak truth through our lives. You, you make us courageous. And I pray that the solitude, the quiet place, it's not a place we retreat to. It's a place where we, become, where we come to become renewed and refreshed as you prepare us to go out into the world to be your light, to be your hope, to introduce your son to people who are so far away from him. God, everything you do and everything that you've written is for us to follow, for us to be closer to you, for us to grow, for us to be like you, God. And so just give us the courage, the wisdom. Help us clear our schedules. Help us find that time in the quiet place. God, I just pray that you bless us through all your words and that you would use us for your kingdom when we leave these doors today. God, we love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.